that was my body saying, no, 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 no. This is wrong. Hmm. Trying to get me to get out of those clothes because I was perspiring to the point where sometimes I'd have to change my shirt. The color of the shirt coordinated with the tie, with the suit, with the shoes, with the socks, with the underwear. It all had to be right. It used to take me 90 minutes to two hours to get ready from shower to showtime. I mean, if I had to take a chunk of my head out to get that hair in the right place, I would. The way they present themselves to the world, they're putting less thought into how perfect they need to look to show up, and they're putting more thought into, I just need to show up as I am, because that's what the world needs of me. And you and I are living that example for that. That's the world I'd like to live in. That's the world we're trying to create, my friend, with financial sobriety. Welcome to Your Financial Sobriety, a podcast that challenges conventional beliefs about money and life. We're here to talk about the only three relationships in life that really matter, our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with other people, and our relationship with money. And they are all tied very closely to one another. If you've ever struggled with any of these relationships at any point in your life, then you're in the right place. I'm Matthew Grishman, co-owner of Gebhardt Group. We're a private wealth management firm headquartered just outside San Francisco, California. I'm joined by my business partner and BFF, Jim Gebhardt, who got this party started when he opened the doors of our firm in 2005. Jim and I created Your Financial Sobriety because we want to help a lot of people. We're on a mission to become the most disruptive money influencers of our time. If after listening today, you're able to take one step closer to keeping your money more aligned with the people, places, and experiences that mean the most to you, then Jim and I just got one step closer to accomplishing our mission. How'd that writing exercise go? Were you able to think of that one actor who's running the show who hijacks your behaviors the most, and can you name that actor? If you're able to do that, here's the question I'm going to ask. Why do we wear a mask? Ah, why did, there we why, go. Why does it our ego hijack us? took us 10,000 words to get to why do we wear a mask. I was counting. We're closer to 12,000 words. Why do we wear a mask? I can't answer that question for everybody, but I can answer it for me. I put on a mask because I had fear of something. Now, I shared my stories. I've shared many stories about where my fear comes from. But the stories are just stories. Everybody's story is going to be a little different. What bonds us all together what makes us all the same is that whatever that story is for you, for Jeff, for me, for our friends with us today, whatever that different story is, the emotion of fear feels the same. Fear has been a companion, a very close companion in my life for as long as I can remember. And I'll tell you my story. My Superman costume was back when I worked for one of the largest brokerage firms on Wall Street. And my Superman costume was putting on the suit and the French cuffs and the fancy tie and the shoes and the power suit. For me, that was a mask. That was all a mask. It was a full body mask. It was a full body mask. Sure. There was an ego type that personified it because I was swimming with the sharks, baby. I was swimming with the sharks. What happened if you would ever show up to work without that mask on? How would you feel? Uh, well, I wouldn't feel very good for two reasons. Number one... I needed that to be able to swim with the sharks. Mm -hmm. And number two is I would be sent home to go put my costume on. 
Yeah. I'm not kidding. I yeah. mean, you, hey, Gebhardt, what's up? What? You, why are you in casual clothes? Go home and change. Well, I'm going to meet with clients that I know aren't comfortable in the suit and the cuffs and all. Uh-huh. Yeah. Go home, put it on, and get back here as fast as you can. And don't come back without it. And that message was delivered both directly and indirectly. Think in your own experience, not you, Matthew, but our listeners on what did you do? What is a mask that you know you've worn? Have no judgment around it, yeah. right? I now can look back at those days at the brokerage firm and, and laugh. Yeah. And I still, I have intentionally, Beth, if you're listening, the reason I've kept those cufflinks is a reminder. Reminder of the mask. Is a reminder of the mask and what I don't want to do. I want to live my authentic, true self life, and that is not wearing a mask. Yes. So we talk about this word fear. I think we all understand what fear feels like. The official dictionary definition of fear is this. First of all, it's a noun. It's an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that danger, threat, or pain may occur. It's an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief, the belief that danger, threat, or pain may occur. I'm pointing out, I think, some of the important words in that definition. Belief and may. So I'm going to pick on my youngest son, Grant, who mm. is 11. He was going to acupuncture for the first time yesterday. Oh, wow. Good for him. To help him with a couple of things that we've come to learn acupuncture would be a potential solution. So as you can imagine, at 11 years old, because I have parents who have avoided things like acupuncture at the thought of all these, you know, a thousand needles being poked in my entire body and, you know, I slowly bleed to death on the table. And our little guy, God bless him, he has a lot of fear. He struggles with having a lot of fear in life. And so he was very upset the morning, yesterday morning. The point was at four o'clock in the afternoon. Beth did a beautiful job of just trying to help him, you know, acknowledge the fear, walk through the fear. And I had a busy day yesterday and didn't really catch up with him until uh, the evening at dinner time. And then I had some quiet time with him where I got to talk with him. I said, so how did that go today? He's like, you know, Dad, it was amazing. Hmm. It was, I really enjoyed it. It was relaxing. And Dad, when you've gone, do you hear the, the pretty music that he has in the background? I said, yeah, I love it. And when your sister's gone, what happens, what happens to her when she goes? Well, she falls asleep. I'm like, hmm. So as we unpacked it, I said, so is this something you'd be open to doing again if it helps you? Oh, yeah, Dad, I can't wait to go back. As a matter of fact, I have an appointment next Tuesday. The concept of fear, God, come on, look at when we're recording this. We're recording this in the summer of 2020 when... The summer of COVID, baby. In my 50 years on the planet, I'm not sure there's ever been more fear. Rightfully, oh, my, rightfully, absolutely. wrongfully. And as you put the right emphasis on the words there... A belief. The right, the right emphasis on the proper syllable. Yeah. Come on, get it right. Right. That's for our Kevins. Yep. They're annoyed now. Yep. Love you guys. <laughs> belief and may. Yes. What you just shared with Grant, my mom would tell you the stories of what it was like being in school in the 50s and 60s and doing air raid drills under their desk, right, where you got to jump under the desk just in case the Soviet Union dropped the nuclear missiles on us. Because that desk is really going to help. Right. The, of course, the, the, the little wooden desk is going to help. What my mom and dad would both tell you is they live in more fear today over what's going on in our world, not just COVID, but what's going on in general, than they did when they were doing nuclear fallout drills. 
that's pretty scary stuff. Yeah. To think that they have they had that experience at an earlier phase of life. Yes. And what we're dealing with today to them is even more fearful because to me, I've dealt with my own reaction to fear my entire life. Yep. And for me, the natural byproduct of fear is paralysis. Yes. That makes sense. You stay frozen. You don't do anything. You sure. don't do anything. Sure. I, I resemble that remark too. I have a family member who also struggles with a lot of fear. The paralysis around making decisions, if Glenn is probably listening, you know, not making a decision on something is making a decision. Right. So funny story to lighten this mood up a little bit. Well, what you so we're hang oh, on. Sorry, you got a story. So yes. this family member really needs to buy a new car. This car is on its last legs. Ace, our producer here, we love talking about cars. We love cars. We love detailing cars, flipping cars, buying cars, all that stuff. Polishing cars. That was so today's it, talk. The car is, I believe it's in the 200 plus thousand miles, but we are not making a decision on a new car. And whether we can't or won't is is debatable. The family member goes out to work, goes get, gets ready for work and hops in the car, puts the keys in the car, turns on the engine, and this is what the engine did. It didn't do, it, it was silent. Tried it again. Thought to himself, that's kind of odd. It's not making, maybe the, well, if the battery was dead, it would do something, right? There'd be some sound. There'd be a click. All right, well, gets out of the car, unclicks the hood, opens the hood. The engine block had fallen on the ground. Oh, that explains it. That's paralysis. That's what fear can do. The fear of making a decision in this case, potentially making a wrong decision on another automobile, paralyzed to the point where now I'm stuck. Now I'm stuck. Right. I have now I have to make a decision. I want to go back to Grant's story. You told me Grant woke up in the morning with a whole bunch of fear that lasted the whole day. Yeah. And then what happened? He loved it. He loved it. So he had in his head this horror movie reel, this oh, fictional yeah. movie reel. Oh, that he's going to put needles in my eye. That he's brewing in his head. Yeah. And yet what actually happened didn't play out like the horror movie reel in his head. Yes. Has that ever happened to you? How much time you got? I mean, that's ask yourself that question. We've all had that experience of fear where we're afraid of what's to come and we play out this movie reel in our head of how miserable this is going to be. And then we're there and, oh, well, that wasn't so bad. We've experienced that. We've all experienced that. We've all experienced that if we we allow it. it, Yes. Over and over and over. Yes. We can think differently about fear. We can look at fear as this feeling that I have and then ask ourselves, what is this really all about? Because to me, fear is just another acronym. Fear is nothing more than false evidence appearing real. Fear. My ongoing fear my false evidence was completely based for me in this concept of false pride. Now, when I say the words false pride, it goes back to that ego thing. And of course, most of us associate false pride with narcissism and puffery and this inflated sense of self, right? False pride, I'm better than you. Ah, yes. Right? But? But for me, it's a two-sided coin because exactly my fear, my false pride was really about I'm not good enough, I'm less than you, I'm not capable. My version of false pride is I'm less than you. Therefore, because of that fear, 
I'm going to I'm act gonna, like I'm more than you. I'm going to make up for it somehow. I'm going to make up for it by being bigger than you. And that, my friend, oh my. It, bigger, but help me with bigger. In your case, it was bigger as in personality and every, behavior. Everything. Yeah. I'm right. I'm always right. You can say something to me and my two favorite words became but and actually. When I was so full of fear and false pride, those two words came out of my mouth almost every sentence. If you made a comment, if you said something to me in the room, even though you weren't asking me a question or asking for my opinion, you would just make a statement. You would share an opinion about something. Well, actually, would always come out of my mouth. Well, Jim, that's, you know, that that's I understand why you think that way, but but and actually became two of the most hurtful words I learned how to use to make me above you, the authority, somebody who is right. I also used to use my money to accentuate this false pride. I would pay for things I couldn't afford to pay for because I'm bigger than you. If you and I went out to lunch, there's no way I'd let you put your credit card down. My credit card went down. Oh, come on. Tell the Ruth Chris story. I We're love. Come there. on, Daddy. I love that story. Right. Tell that story. All right. Well, so I used to spend to look good. I used to spend to look better than everybody else. We talked about this. I think we shared the Ruth Chris story 43,000 episodes ago. But now we're telling it in the context of Tommy Boy. Yes. And what Tommy Boy used to love to do when they opened up the new Ruth Chris here in Roseville is Tommy Boy would love to take the love of his life, and we would go over to Ruth's Chris. On like a Tuesday night. On a Tuesday night, we would pull up to the valet parker, even of, though the parking lot was five feet from the valet parker. Of course. To, you know, give somebody Come else on. the keys of my super fancy Audi you to know, go You know, 20 park. for you, and you know, why don't you go get a new outfit? <laughs> exactly. 20 for you and 20 for him, and go yeah. get some new clothes. We would go into Ruth's Chris and splurge. We would sit at the bar. My favorite bottle of wine that they had on their menu was made by Joseph Joseph Phelps, uh, called Insignia. They still make it. They still make. Oh, good. They still make yeah, it. Yeah, they still, and it's still expensive. Okay. I mean, I haven't had a drink in quite some time, so I, I don't know what's still out there. Or You're not. not missing much. Good. Well, back then, we used to pay four hundred dollars for a bottle of that at Ruth's Chris. The first bottle would hit the bar. I would pick it up. Oh no, 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 no! Before I poured it for anybody else, this guy had to have the first drink. But only I wouldn't pour it in a wine glass. I mean, what other knucklehead drinks a $400 bottle of wine like it's a can of Coors Light? Hmm. This knucklehead. Wow. So I would swig it down, then I'd pour some for Amy, and if I liked the looks of the person next to me, I might give them a little bit. By the time we had the second bottle— That's going to be a really good scene in the movie one day. Uh-huh. I can't wait till Brad Pitt plays that role. Brad Pitt, yeah. Uh-huh. When he's, like, in the nursing home? That's fine. I'll be in the nursing home, too. That man will never be in the nursing home. He still looks 22. After the second bottle of wine went down— that's when I started buying rounds for the whole bar, and I just became the popular guy. Granted, I had a stack of medical bills sitting on the desk at home, totaling close to $3,000 that I couldn't seem to pay, but yet, because of my false pride, because of my fear of not being enough, I would go out and behave like not only I was enough, but I was more than enough. Sure. Not only did it affect my relationship with money and cause me to show up in your office in 2005... But it also affected my relationships with other people. And again, we've, we've talked 30,000 feet about this stuff. I had to be right. We talked about that a minute ago. Yeah. I always had to be right. How do you think Amy, my wife, would feel about the fact that she was married to a man that always has to be right? Uh, yeah, that might be uh, challenging, Bob. Do you think that affects our relationship in any way? It might have. How about my children? Hey, you, got, you, you were never on Dr. Phil's show. 
Not yet. Okay. That's one of the many yets in my life. (laughs) Anything I haven't done yet in life that I'm probably not going to do, I keep an open mind and never say never. Okay. So I just put it on the yet list. I always had to be right. My favorite words were button actually. And it did a lot of damage, not just to the relationship I had with my wife, my children, but everybody around me. So you and I have talked a lot about it as we've been building the curriculum and the content and everything about this concept of from shower to showtime. That concept really goes into the meat of how this false pride, this egoic behavior affected my relationship with me. Because putting on my mask every day was almost ritualistic. This concept of what I would have to do between shower and showtime to get ready for the performances of the day. I distinctly remember being in my late 20s, getting ready, shower, and I'm shaving, and I would start to put the Superman suit on. I would start sweating uncontrollably, and I never understood what that was. At Hmm. the time, I never understood what it was. As I worked with uh, my different coaches and, and a couple different therapists over time, we unpacked that and came to the realization that that was my body saying, no, 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 no. This is wrong. Hmm. Trying to get me to get out of those clothes because I was perspiring to the point where sometimes I'd have to change my shirt. So your and body was talking to you and you weren't listening. I wasn't aware. Yeah. I, could, I wasn't aware because I was going into showtime. I was going into the performance, which was working at this brokerage firm. My body didn't want me to do that. You described before what it was like putting on your mask every day. It was the right suit, the right French cuffs, the right wingtips, the right tie, the right shape of the collar on your shirt. Mm -hmm. I mean, all these little details. I mean, you kind of gave us the overview, but what most people I don't think realize goes into the planning and preparation of that outfit is so many more details than just even the five or six you talked about. Oh, it's silliness. There were little, little innuendos that we we could spend days talking about that process of shower to showtime. For, For me... There were a lot of little moving parts too, but from kind of high up, it was about the right hairstyle. Come on, we got to talk about your hair. Yeah, you you call me the man of a thousand looks. Absolutely. I still love mixing up the looks, but man, back then, I had a different hairstyle every six weeks, different gel products. It had to be just right. If one hair was out of place, I couldn't leave the house. You'd sit there with the chisel and uh, dismantle it? Chisel, hammer, axe. I mean, if I had to take a chunk of my head out to get that hair in the right place, I would. The obsession I had in the mirror with just getting my hair right was obscene. We called it the quaff. The quaff. Got to get the quaff right. Got to get the quaff right. Now it's just a flow that I wake up, I shower, I wash it, I condition it, I brush it, and it does what it does. It's kind of nice. The right outfit. Had to be the right outfit. The color of the shirt coordinated with the tie, with the suit, with the shoes, with the socks, with the underwear. It all had to be right. It couldn't be out of place. The right watch between the Submariner, which is a stainless steel Rolex, the two-tone Oyster Perpetual, which had the gold and the silver, my sport watch, my leather band Movado. I had about a dozen watches at the time that had to be perfect with the outfit I was trying to pull off. How many times have you watched Gordon Gecko? Oof. Countless. I mean, he was my hero. But that was the go-to. That was my go-to. Right. That movie, Wall Street, when it came out in the 80s, I was fascinated by this character, Gordon Gecko. In a way, you're kind of trying to replicate. I'm trying to replicate the look of Gordon Gecko, 
the aura of Gordon Gecko. I just wanted to learn how to use my powers for good. And I thought I was using my powers for good. I didn't realize that my relentless pursuit for money actually twisted my thinking into thinking that I was doing good when in reality I was hurting myself and a lot of other people. Right. I loved Gordon Gecko. I had to have a clean car. Now, what's funny, haha, hey, about you're step, that? You're stepping I'm, into my neighborhood. I'm stepping into your neighborhood. Come the, on, Ace, help me out here. The, the difference between my clean car and your clean car is your clean car is about a confidence booster for you. It makes you feel good. It helps you yeah, protect little, your confidence. Little, uh, little Saturday morning therapy. Absolutely. For me, didn't matter what I thought about a clean car. In fact, I couldn't stand a clean car because it took me effort to clean it. So that's when I learned how to go to the local guy down the street who could clean it for me for 60 bucks. The clean car was all about you and wanting to impress you. These things had to happen from shower to showtime for me. And now that I got some awareness about what that looked like, it used to take me 90 minutes to two hours to get ready from shower to showtime. It's a little different today. I can get out of the house in 10 minutes now. I have friends that cannot leave their house. They can't go to Trader Joe's or the gas station or meet a friend for Pete's Coffee unless they are all put together. Absolutely. You and I both know a lot of people. And that was you and me. That has been me. And I will tell you one unintended consequence or benefit of COVID is I find the relaxed nature of people just letting it be, just yes. letting letting the authentic come out and whether it be on a Zoom, whether it be running to the grocery store, you know me, I'm somebody that needs to shower and uh, shower, shine and shave every day. <laughs> right. And I have gone days without without any of those things without shaving. Oh, okay. I was going to say, we, we might want to- uh... And maybe a day or two without showering. Gotcha. What right? about the other things? And the other things are all natural. Gotcha. Good. And letting myself actually go out in public with not being shaved, not being all put together. That, in my own way, is part of redefining the shower to show time. So- what are, Hang on. Don't, don't move past that yet. What is that doing for the people you're showing up for? What is their reaction to seeing you in a more natural, relaxed, not so shower to showtime Jim Gebhardt that people are used to seeing? Well, I don't know if it's any more or less re relaxed, but the general reaction is, are you okay? <laughs> What's the matter? You didn't, you haven't shaved in a millennia. Can I tell you what I've observed in the clients that are around you who experience that? Sure. Because I've observed something with people who have seen you in a more relaxed state. Those people, after they ask you the question if you're okay, it almost seems like within them they've been given permission to take their own mask off. Mm. I'm finding that the more clients you and I get on a Zoom call with and you and I have baseball hats and T-shirts on and we look like the guys who are just working in their own backyard, we look like human beings just like everybody else – and I'm finding that our clients are starting to take their masks off more and more. Granted, you and I do an incredible job of getting clients to be vulnerable when we're in the privacy of our office. It's quiet. It's safe. Nobody can listen into what we're doing. And based on the skill set you've developed at creating trust at lightning fast speed, we see clients bring their guard down. What I'm seeing is that's accelerating at an exponential rate. 
where it's not just the words they share with us in a boardroom, but their actual behaviors and the way they present themselves to the world. They're putting less thought into how perfect they need to look to show up, and they're putting more thought into, I just need to show up as I am, because that's what the world needs of me. And you and I are living that example for that. That's the world I'd like to live in. That's the world we're trying to create, my friend, with financial sobriety. Is a more authentic reality that I is who I is. You know how attractive that is? That's one of the greatest attractants there is. That's what I want. Is real. Yep. And that shower to showtime routine, not that you got to blow it up. Don't have any judgment around it. This is just more of an awareness conversation. So what do you do? Well, right? you, so my darling sure. wife really struggles with leaving the house to go somewhere and not being all put together. I used to push on her like, just go, just just be you, just let it go. And how'd that go over with Beth? Well, that was um, like a fart in church. That yeah, that was not not so smart of uh, <laughs> of young Luke Skywalker here. Interestingly enough, during again this time of COVID, she's actually started doing that, not by any pushing or prodding on my part. You know what my favorite dinner with the two of you is? To this day, I've known you a long time. There's one dinner you, me, and Beth had that is absolutely going to go down as my favorite experience dining with the two of you ever. I'm ready. Remember when we were on that little trip to the Caribbean together? Yeah. And Beth, you, and I made a decision at the beach that we're going to show up to dinner, and it's going to be a no-hair-makeup dinner. And we all just showed up as we are. Mm -hmm. That was the most beautiful I ever saw your wife. Yeah. It was awesome. She's a beautiful woman. We had an awesome time, and we just let it hang out. Yeah. And nobody cared. And we were the center of the party in the restaurant. Everybody wanted to come hang out with us. Oh, was Tommy Boy invited? Tommy Boy showed up in a very genuine way that day. And it didn't require gluttony or recklessness for the, the essence of Tommy Boy's fun to show up that day. Yeah. It was awesome. That's cool. So cool. What did I do to myself... Let me take a minute to share what I used to do to myself every time I messed up or lacked perfection in preparing this mask. Because this, this shower to show – actually, before we go there, I want to do one more thing. You and I still have a shower to show time routine. Absolutely. But it's very different. The intended outcome of that preparation time in the morning used to be about how we looked, how the world perceived us. You and I now, and we've talked about this in prior episodes, you and I put the same amount of energy and effort into our shower to showtime routine now, but instead of it being about how we look to the world, this image that we have to create, it's about getting our bodies, our minds, and our spirits ready so that the best version of Jim Gebhardt and Matthew Grishman show up into the world for the day. I think of it as authentic preparation. Absolutely. What a great way to put it. What do I need to do? You should write a book. That was good. Hey, that's a good idea. Authentic preparation. That's good. What do I need to do to be able to clear the path so that the most authentic, best version of myself can show up today? Sometimes that's sleeping in. Sometimes that's getting up early and exercising. Sometimes it's stretching. Sometimes it's meditating. Sometimes it's just having a cup of coffee on the deck looking outside on a beautiful morning and not doing a damn thing. Whatever it is, for me, I loathe routine. Hmm. If you tell me I got to do this every day for the rest of my life, there's, that's not pretty. Well, what's good is you and I are going to be able to riff on that because every person's going to be different with that. I'm someone who thrives on routine. You're someone who loathes routine. 
but there are ways to I re- have my routines. Right. But it needs to be changed a little but bit. But there needs to be a little bit of a little, little, little flavor. A little flavor, a little little movement. It can't in be terms vanilla. Of, can't can't be vanilla you every mix day. mix a little mint chocolate chip in it. Yes. I get it. And that authentic preparation is now our version of Shower to Showtime. And we're going to spend almost an entire episode talking about what that looks like in the morning, what that new version of Shower to Showtime looks like. I think this is a good place for people to take a pause and do another writing exercise. Great idea. And that's, what's your Shower to Showtime routine? Just let it rip. If this is the first time, or the second or the third, but if you're early in developing an awareness around this concept of ego, false pride, Shower to Showtime... Let's build some awareness with this writing exercise. Yeah. What do you do to put on the mask every day? Well, brother, we've shared a lot today. I think we can both agree that for now, that's a wrap. If you like what you heard, leave us a review and be sure to subscribe. And check out our website, yourfinancialsobriety.com. Thanks again for listening today. Here to help you find more clarity, confidence, and capability along your journey into financial sobriety. I'm Matthew Grishman. And I'm Jim Gebhardt. Be intentional with your money. Jim Gebhardt is a registered representative of and securities offered through Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, member SIPC. Jim Gebhardt and Matthew Grishman are investment advisor representatives of Gebhardt Group Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, and Gebhardt Group Incorporated are not affiliated. The opinions in this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or investment recommendations. To determine which investments or financial advice may be appropriate for you, consult a financial advisor prior to investing. Any reference to market performance is based on historical information and there is no expressed or implied guarantee of future performance. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Brokers International Financial Services, LLC. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Gebhardt Group Incorporated does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Mm-hmm.